Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Behind-the-scenes experience in Washington and around the world. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone. This is the extended version of Inside Sources. We'll be with you all the way till 3 o'clock today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you on KSL News Radio today. As we continue our uh, march through the world of uh, all things politics, local and national, uh, we are very pleased, as always, to be joined by Jason Perry from the Hinckley Institute of Politics up at the University of Utah. Jason, thanks for joining us today. Glad to be with you, Boyd. So there's a few things going on. Let's let's start uh, let's start really local. Let's uh, start with uh, what we're hearing on the Salt Lake City mayor's race. Uh, what what uh, what are your sources saying uh, as we wait for three o'clock to approach? Well, so many of us are waiting for for three o'clock, and we get this new round uh, of ballots counted. But you really have to dig into this to see just how significant today is going to be. Uh, the the county clerk says there are about eight thousand one hundred and fifty eight ballots out there. Enough 183 provisional ballots, which means that that's over 8,800 ballots, which is more than any one candidate has so far. Mm. This could be an interesting day. <laughs> could be a really fascinating day. Uh, so, of course, just uh, as the reset for everyone. So currently, uh, Aaron Mendenhall is in the lead by about 600 votes or so. Uh, Jim DeVacus is uh, is next, and he's got about a 112-vote lead on uh, Luz Escamilla uh, any anything you're hearing, any rumblings out there in terms of who might have uh, any kind of momentum with this again, this tranche of of eight thousand eight hundred, almost nine thousand votes out there. Uh, what what are we sensing? What are we seeing? Well, it's it's interesting to see where the votes are falling. As as you and I talked even before this election, there was a huge number of undecided voters. Uh, Going into it, going into this primary, and they're primarily in, in a couple of groups uh, with Republicans in Salt Lake City, uh, women, and, uh, and and people who identify as being members of the, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Those groups had not made up their their minds completely on this, and so we've been watching where those votes are falling on the undecided, and clearly they're falling more with Aaron Mendenhall. Mm-hmm. What we're, what we're thinking we're seeing right now, based on conversations with folks, and particularly in the clerk's office, 
We think a few more of those are going to start following to lose Escamilla, as we'll see this afternoon. Oh, fa- fascinating. So uh, that could lead to some really interesting dynamics. You could end up with a uh, a complete flipping of the, the current <laughs> order. Uh, you could end up with uh, Aaron Mendenhall holding on to that 600-vote lead. And then uh, uh, tell us what you see in terms of how would that race be different if it were a Mendenhall uh, versus Debacus or a Mendenhall versus Escamilla matchup for November? Well, it's, it's interesting because these are very, very different personalities. Uh, you know, many people in the state know Jim Debacus, you know, a bigger than life personality, member of the legislature. Uh, and he, he stays fairly consistent in this range throughout the entire uh, campaign cycle. But we've seen the biggest rise in momentum come, you know, with with, with Aaron Mendenhall, and I think that the back, Jim DeBacus has to uh, have a different strategy if it is Aaron Mendenhall versus Luis Escamilla. Uh, Luis Escamilla, of course, is also a, a, a state legislator uh, that has a really great uh, block of people who vote for her time and time again. So this really ends up being the battle of uh, the elected officials. Right. Uh, for the heart of Salt Lake City, as opposed to Aaron Mendenhall, who's been sort of the, that local person in the trenches for a very long time. You have to go after those two candidates in a different way. Yeah, very fascinating. Yeah, and it could really be, since the last two mayors were both uh, fresh off the hill uh, and being in the minority party up there in the Utah legislature, uh, where Aaron Mendenhall has been in that actual city council governing role, uh, I think that will be an interesting thing of... Uh, pivoting from, you know, those, whether it's uh, Debacus or Escamilla saying, hey, I, I have the experience at the legislature uh, to uh, Aaron Mendenhall, who's saying, yeah, but I have the experience in the trenches of actually governing the city. Uh, so I think that could be a really interesting compare and contrast, uh, however it shakes out. Well, I think that will be the, the strategy going forward. Even towards the end of this primary, uh, the kind of the call from a couple of candidates were, Exactly what you said. We we are not looking for another state legislator to to run the city, and I, I think that's where Erin Mendenhall will go. She will say, "I've been the one that's been working with the legislature, but I'm not one that caves to the legislature." But of course, you can see Jim Bonifacio and Luis Escamilla will come out very clearly trying to say, "Well, uh, you need you do need to deal with the legislature on these key issues, and we are most equipped to be able to do that." Fascinating. Very good. If you're just joining us, we've got uh, Jason Perry from the Hinckley Institute of Politics at the University of Utah joining us today. Uh, let's let's move up the uh, political ladder there just a little bit. A lot of rumblings and bumblings about uh, what might happen in the race for governor of the state of Utah. Uh, of course, Spencer Cox is the uh, only declared candidate at this point. He's racing around the state uh, city by city and uh, seems to have some momentum and some authenticity going in terms of a kind of a different approach in terms of a campaign. And then, of course, we've got uh, rumblings from Russia uh, with uh, former governor and current ambassador to Russia, uh, John Huntsman Jr., stepping down as ambassador on the 3rd of October. And uh, many are speculating he will be back here uh, to really have an interesting argument over whether you want Utah to be the crossroads of the West or the crossroads of the world. How do you see it? Well, it, it will be very interesting. Uh, the strategy for Spencer Cox is, is one that he's uniquely qualified for. Coming from a rural community, going to every city in the state, I think will help build his his brand and help the name recognition. Of course, a lot of us who deal in politics know that name, but uh, he's, he's got some work to do to get that name out to the rest of the state. So, uh, so, so it's interesting that he's going to have to do that. But it's so important because if, if what you said is right, uh, that – 
that John Huntsman does enter this this race, which is what many are talking about. I think it's a, a decent possibility. He will approach that that position. I think it's probably with the phrase that you have coined, the crossroads of the world uh, is right. I think he, he will bring a big name and maybe a big picture for where the state mm. of Utah could be in the world on the world stage. Yeah, I think that's that's great. And that big picture, I think, is the the right thing. Of course, you have Jeff Burningham, who's who's had a an exploratory going for a while, uh, has been traveling the state as well. Anyone else on uh, on your radar in terms of who is still noodling and thinking about uh, running for governor? There are still a few people who are thinking about it. Um, uh, 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 we may see Greg Miller, who is still considering, and we've seen him in a couple of polls out there and 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 kind of checking with the, the key stakeholders. That, that could be interesting. Um, uh, the, the name that I, uh, you've been talking about a little bit, too, as we've been hearing, is there may be uh, uh, an interest from even Spencer Eccles, uh, who may be thinking about this as a possibility. He, of course, he hasn't said that he's, he's going to do that, but that name has come forward. It's something that he uh, might be willing to consider as well. And, of course, Amy Winder Newton. Uh, has also been making the rounds, talking about her interest in running for that race. Yeah. Those are the ones right now that have been the most obvious, and we still don't know what's going to happen uh, with Greg Hughes if John Huntsman does jump in this race. Yes, yeah, that's uh, that'll be very interesting. I think Amy Winder Newton would would be an interesting uh, position there, and and Spence Eccles I think is an interesting one. Um, some people have questioned whether he would really have a lane, particularly if if John Huntsman Jr. was in there. Uh, but I do think there's an interesting kind of a uh, steward uh, component to Spencer Eccles that I think is is unique that he kind of has that steward's heart that he's he's been the behind the scenes guy uh, for a lot of good things uh, around the state. It would be interesting to see if he could get traction in that space. Well, I, I think that's right. I, I, like, like any candidate uh, or potential candidate, I think the important thing is first you have to have that will and that desire, but then you start thinking about the the why uh, you want to do it and see if there's a lane. And I think you you hit the right. Uh, point with Spencer Eccles as he thinks about it, uh, to whatever extent he is, about that investment uh, in the state. And I think that's something that's been important to him and to his family also, because he does the kind of the, the calculation he'll want to go through about how that, that absolute commitment to the state of Utah will play in a potential campaign. And each one of these candidates does have to find a lane and in that lane, does it lead to victory in the end? Yeah, absolutely. I got just about one more minute, uh, Jason, and I, I want to take you all the way to the national level. There's been a, a, a lot of shifting on the Democratic side. Uh, you've got uh, a big focus of people saying, hey, we need someone like Beto O'Rourke or uh, Governor Hickenlooper to, to get out and actually go run for Senate. Uh, in Colorado and Texas, uh, Beto O'Rourke attempted a, a reboot uh, today that I think fell really flat. Uh, and then Governor Hickenlooper did step out of the presidential uh, and is is considering a Senate run. What is this signal in terms of national Democrats? Uh, anything you're you're hearing or seeing or sensing there? Well, I've been looking at this race on the on the side of the Democrats and seeing that this is a brutal game of chess. Pawns are coming on and off that board. <laughs> Uh, uh, routinely, and we've seen that. Can we do a reset? Can I do something that will jumpstart the campaign? And then you see people like John uh, Hickenlooper, who did announce that he's ending uh, that race. He, he just really did not gain traction through his his uh, his efforts to become president. But maybe for him, he, he sees the best possible role for him is in the Senate. And I think that the Democrats right now are thinking uh, a strategy that includes both: one, to reclaim the White House, 
And for those candidates that might not be strong enough to get that, maybe they're strong enough to take one of the seats in the state that they're coming from. And that's kind of a two-part strategy that may help the Democrats out. Fantastic. Jason Perry, always appreciate your insight, great wisdom, and uh, great perspective in terms of the political scene. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Boyd, as always. Appreciate it. All right. That's uh, Jason Perry from the Hinckley Institute of Politics at the University of Utah. We're going to step aside when we come back. Uh, We're going to pick up our conversation and uh, talk about some of the other 2020 candidates and uh, seeing how they're actually doing their current jobs. Are they doing their current jobs well enough to get a promotion? We'll talk about it. Stay with us here on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.